Welcome to the Shovel Pass, the NFL podcast for those that need that extra hour of football talk to get them over the hump and through the week. I'm Nick Sawyer, and I'm joined weekly by a few of my closest friends, Will Sawyer, Phil Heim, and Chris Heim, as we discuss all things NFL football from the games of the week, surprises, predictions, high performers, not-so-high performers, and anything else that stands out. Thank you for checking us out, and please subscribe and leave us a five-star rating. We sincerely appreciate it. Okay, fellas, so this week we had Bill's Pats 2, which, contrary to what we saw a few weeks ago where the uh, the weather was inclement and uh, Mac Jones wasn't allowed to throw any passes and uh, the Bills lost, we had a more traditional game this week and the Bills showed up ready to play and Josh Allen put together quite the game. It... Uh, it looked like he had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder and like he was trying to make a bit of a statement and say, here, I'm, uh, I'm ready. I'm, I'm not going to make stupid mistakes and I'm going to get this team into the playoffs. So he was, uh, he was, he looked good this week. I'll admit. And I haven't always been complimentary of Josh Allen, but he was 30 for 47, 314 yards, three touchdowns, 12 carries for 64 yards, which led the team. He threw zero interceptions. He fumbled the ball zero times, and he was not sacked. So, um, those the most impressive parts of that are that he didn't fumble, he didn't throw any picks, and he was not sacked. If the Pats want to beat the Bills, they need to do at least one, probably two of those three. Well, so, yeah. Um, Phil, over to you. I mean, the Bills looked pretty good this week. What do you say to that? So I have a number of thoughts on this one, uh, and a lot of it makes my blood boil. <laughs> the refs really helped them. I think it, not, not in the sense they helped the Bills outwardly, but they prevented the Patriots from operating at full capacity many, many times. And so my main takeaways for this, I had a game. One was that the bit like the the I think the initial rematch that we were sorry rather the initial match that we had in the like a few weeks ago was a more accurate representation of how these teams would stack up because. That was a game without emotion for either side. And it was an even game with shitty weather, sure. But it was evenly shitty for both teams. It was best team wins. This game, you could tell that the uh, Bills had a lot more emotion, a lot more to prove, especially after the Bills defenders got all you know, upset with reporters asking if they were embarrassed that Mac only threw three games in a game that they, that they won. Um, so like the, the Bills had all the emotional momentum, if you want to say. And then you could really see the Patriots after two, excuse my French here, horse shit, uh, <laughs> taunting penalties against Patriots offensive linemen for that really kill momentum on two crucial drives for us in the first and second halves. Uh, mm-hmm. And you could see then that like the Bills had all the positive momentum and the Patriots just started unraveling emotionally. So essentially my takeaway there was for the Bills to win a game that the score, the, the, the rather the game was a lot tighter than the score. They had to play their best, most buttoned up football and the Patriots had to unravel and they had to get actually held back from the from the by the ref so that's what that game tells me is that it wasn't so much that the bills were that were 12 points better it was the fact that like for them to have that outcome they had to be at their best and the patriots had to be at 70 to 60 percent of their capacity let's say right so that's what that told me that's why i think that if there's a rematch in the playoffs i think the patriots are much more buttoned up i think they're a way better football team overall and i think the refs get the hell out of the fucking way <laughs> <Excuse me. laughs> 
out the way in the whoa get out of the way and then let the bet the best team win i think that's what you'll see happen again so those are my main takeaways tell me where i'm wrong i'm gonna i'm gonna i I want to push back a little bit though too but and and this is where i'll push back uh you said that the first game they played they were evenly uh disadvantaged by the snow i disagree the snow takes away throwing and quarterback play, which is like 85% of this league now. And the Bills, without a doubt, have a better quarterback. They were much more negatively influenced by the snow game than the Pats were. The Significantly well, well, Chris, more negatively I'll, I'll, I'll spin that a little bit. It's To me, it's more that the Patriots have an undeniably better run game. Yes. than the Bills. Absolutely. So yeah. it, it's not it's not so much for me the the differential in quarterback which there is, but it's it's that the Patriots have an amazing uh bullying run game whereas the Bills uh I mean every week Josh Allen Don't. is the best runner on the field, <laughs> right. which is not yeah. really where you want things to be. Right, uh, as impressive as his stats are and 12 carries for 64 yards, like the guy is carrying the team like Great feather in your cap, buddy. But in the long run and in the playoffs, that is that actually looks like a concern to me. Like if he is carrying the ball twelve times and you're relying on him for sixty-five yards in rushing, and they had less they had less rushing yards than the Patriots at the end of the game with their quarterback rushing for sixty-five yards, that's a problem. Yeah, that's a problem. It, you it, take that and, away, and this is the other thing that I was going to say is, uh, for me, asking Josh Allen to throw forty-seven passes in the game is a mistake. Yes, mm. so yeah, that that's, that's where I, I put I it a little bit on coaching. Like to me, Josh Allen is not best utilized when you're having him throw forty-seven passes in a game, and that's a liability moving into the playoffs. And I think it's something that the Patriots might exploit if if it comes to a, a third matchup between these teams. It, it yeah. worked out okay this weekend, right. but that's an area of concern for me. Right. And if I'm running, if you find a way offense, to hem him in and keep him from scrambling, keep him from running the ball, and make him throw it forty-five plus times. Yeah, you you know, is he going to throw? Is he going to? Um, is he going to be that impressive the next time they meet when the weather may, might be a little bit worse? Or, um, you know, is he going to not make any mistakes? And that's where the Patriots' formula might be a little better served in the playoffs where you're limiting Mac Jones's touches mm-hmm. and the, the number of times he puts the ball in the air and you do have the running game that can carry you and sustain drives. And, yeah. and my issue overall with this game, just to be clear, was it wasn't that I'm taking away the 33 points that Buffalo had. They earned those points against the best defense in football. They really did. Josh Allen was amazing. I'll take that away from him. Honestly, what upsets me is those two taunting calls. And this is where I think we might have a better discussion about how much taunting I think is ruining the game this year um, is that like those two, no seriously, like those two calls in the first and second half, like directly killed momentum for the most promising drives we had more or less all day that weren't scores. So it's well, like, yeah, I don't want to get yeah. into a huge conversation bashing the refs and like more than um, listen, we could spend two hours talking about horrific refereeing this year, because I do think there has been uh, problematic, calls every single week like many problematic calls that change games every single week and i do think as a general statement there's too many games this year where the refs are trying to be part of the game yeah you're supposed to be invisible you're supposed to keep the game from getting out of control that's it you know we don't want to see you and we don't want to hear from you 
unless absolutely necessary. There's too many DPI calls that are flipping games late in the game. When you get those 30, 40 yard penalties, like, I'm sorry, unless it is egregious and the guy is getting mauled, you shouldn't be calling it. Um, the taunting calls have been ridiculous. Like, the way the rules are yeah, way too heavy handed. It's yeah. silly. And, yeah. I'm and sorry, was, but it's okay. football. You should be allowed to talk some trash, okay? And, Fans yeah. like it. Let the guys talk some trash. It's an emotional, violent sport. You cannot expect these men to go out there and play at the the emotional level that they are required to play at their best and not talk some trash. Or just okay. stare down the opponent's side. Stare sideline. down the opponent. I mean, come on. <laughs> come on. Well, also, in, in this case, too, like, in the case against the Patriots, the reason that I thought both were so egregious was both of the taunting calls they hit the Pats with came because their offensive lineman, Trent Brown in the first half, right. and David Edge in the second, right. were directly responding to a late hit by a Buffalo defender on their quarterback. That is something that every offensive line coach and every football player in, <laughs> in on God's yeah. green earth will say, you better protect your quarterback. And if that happens after the whistle, right. you better get in the defender's face. So what I thought was ridiculous especially was the, the Jerry Hughes one in the, beginning, in, the, in the first half when he hit him out of bounds, dragged him down by the neck, and then – uh, they picked up the flag on that, but then threw it out immediately at Trent Brown for taunting because and getting him an unnecessary roughness or rather unsportsmanlike. So it's like you're now pen- and both him and Andrews got unsportsmanlike. So technically, both guys were penalized heavier for defending their quarterback than the Bills were for actually putting him in danger by the rules. Right. Yeah. So that's where I'm like, yeah. you're directly ch- so 30 yard swings in both cases, uh, like as far as field position goes, is not nothing. So that's what I'm saying. It's like I give the Bills all credit for their 33 points. I give the rest credit for potentially stealing 14 from us. And those 14 <laughs> would have made a fucking difference. The margin would have then been yeah, a point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You I, know what I'm saying? So I yeah, think yeah. on a sec on a rematch with the Bills, when the refs are hopefully less of a factor and the Patriots aren't emotionally undone because the egregious calls said refs are making, then I really think that like you'll have a much more even uh, game. And I think the Patriots are going to win that game because Damian Harris – in two games against the Bills this year, has 28 carries for 214 yards and four touchdowns. He's yeah. owning the Bills, okay? Mm-hmm. And that's just him. Ramondre Stevenson had 130 yards against them too. So mm-hmm. we have our way with them, and if yeah. the refs aren't keeping us out of the end zone themselves, the Bills aren't. So Well, I can't wait for Bills-Pats 3. Like, I hope this turns into one of those series that we see them twice in the regular season, and they both make the playoffs. And then we see them hit each other in the mouth again in the playoffs because that would be fantastic. Like what Steelers and, Ravens were before they both plummeted into right? the mouth. I mean, this is this is cool. It's <laughs> for the for the better part of two decades, the Patriots were clearing away the best team in that um, in that division, and it's cool now that the Bills have built themselves into a legit contender. And the Patriots didn't just fall off a cliff with with Tom Brady's exit. Now you've got these two teams in the in the division where you're actually the Patriots have a competitive division on their hands, which is which is crazy. Yeah. They 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 haven't seen this in the better part of two decades. So, um, you know, get, get well, ready because this 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 could be like a, a hell of a rivalry for the next bunch of years. Be, uh, well, and, and would we yeah. would we have called this at the beginning of the year? Currently, if the season ended today, there are three teams. From the AFC East. <laughs> no, they could get spot. in the playoffs. Whoa, <laughs> what's going on? Miami. Talk about Miami. Like the wh- o- only we- team in history to have a seven game losing streak and a seven game win streak in the same season. 
That's an amazing. That's crazy. That's one of the most craziest stats I've ever that's heard. That's crazy. And nobody would have guessed it. At the beginning of the season, Flores was on a fiery seat, right? This was like put up or shut up. He's probably gone at the end. Like maybe maybe he won't even make it through the season. I mean, uh, like it, Flores was. The door not was closing looking. on right. him. Like he was if already it, out. If it wasn't for <laughs> yeah. Urban Meyer in the headlines every week, it would have been Flores. Flores <laughs> was, was not looking. I mean, he was in a bad spot. And now, I mean, how are you going to get rid of the guy? There's no way. He's, he's in for next year. His job is safe. If he coaches them to a playoff spot, he's definitely in. That's what they yeah. got to do is bring the Dolphins back to right. playoffs. I know. That's right. Well, him on top and, of that, I, you know, I, 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 I would have – He was he was a victim of his own success last year because when they went 10-6 and six last year, nobody expected it, and they were ahead of schedule. They were supposed to be in a deep rebuild. They weren't supposed to compete for playoff spots. So because he set the bar so high last year, I think the ownership and the fans are expecting similar things this year, when in reality, this is still a roster in progress. They still don't have a quarterback. We'll see about that for, for long term, but – the fact that Flores is nine and seven, I think that's that's what they are, right? Or nine and six. What are they? Eight and seven? No, eight and seven. Yeah, the fact they're eight and seven, and currently right now, if the if the season ended today, they'd be in seventh spot, they'd be in the playoffs. Yeah. That's amazing. The fact that he took this roster, which is supposed to be in a rebuild, to two consecutive playoff runs, even if they lose first round, that is a tip of the hat to him as a coach, especially off of what you said, Will, the fact that he's coming off a seven game lose streak with a seven game win streak. That's oh, man, like six six weeks into the season, he he was the worst coach in Florida, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is saying something. <laughs> exactly. Uh. It's just funny because, like, I think I stopped even like tracking the Dolphins after week five or six. Yeah. I, was, I know. I, I, I just I stopped started, paying attention to them. Like you told me, seven wins. Like, it's like now, I knew they won a couple, but now I didn't realize now, they had eight now, wins right now. Here, let, let me toss. <laughs> Let me toss one more thing out at you, just just for context. Um, the quarterbacks on the opposing teams across the Miami win streak have been Tyrod Taylor, Lamar Jackson, Joe Flacco, Cam Newton, PJ Walker, Mike Glennon, Zach Wilson, mm-hmm. and Ian Book. Right. Oof. There yes. is one. There is one starting quarterback in that yeah. whole list. <laughs> Well, that's, what I, was just gonna, that's, yeah, that's what I was just going to get to, Will. Like the, the teams they've beat were the Saints with a, a third-string quarterback, the Jets, the Giants, the Panthers, the Jets again, the Ravens, that's a decent win, but the Texans, like they haven't beaten any good teams. So, I mean, not taking too much away from their seven-win streak, seven-game win streak, but it's not like they ran through – the best teams in the league. They went through the worst teams in the league multiple times. Some, some of them. So like clap, clap for dolphins. Let's move into our last little conversation here, which, which I think this segues nicely. The dolphins are on the bubble, but there's, there's a bunch of teams that are all kind of jockeying for that, that last couple of playoff spots, which team that is either just in right now or just out of the playoffs is the most dangerous team. Like, which which teams should scare the teams at the top of the divisions? Like, which are the teams you don't want to see in the playoffs? I'm still thinking, for me, in the AFC at least, I'm still thinking Chargers, even though somehow, inexplicably, they lost to the Texans. I don't know how the hell that happened. But that's the thing is, and that's the issue of the Chargers, is they're this probably the streakiest, most maybe hot and cold team in football. That's a good team. Like they mm-hmm. routinely will lose to teams that they should blow out, but then themselves will beat teams that they have no business being on the field with. So it's it's 
But for me, though, it's like it's still Justin Herbert is one of the best pure talents at quarterback. So I don't want to see him in the playoffs. I don't want to see what he can do his first go round. I think really in the AFC, the Chargers and Bengals are the ones that give me, um, I think, the most kind of uh, what's it called? Pause. Let's say that maybe uh, I mean, the Bengals are, are in the playoffs right now. The first in the AFC North. But as far as looking in Chargers in the AFC and then probably in, in the NFC, honestly, like it's pretty top heavy. None of the teams that are, you know, either in the hunt or in the bubble really scare me like. The not, I mean, except for maybe the Niners, uh, the Eagles is a seventh seed. Don't inspire much confidence, and everyone below the Eagles, I don't really see making any noise. It's really just the Niners as far as a wild card goes. Um, I'm, I'm going to push back on the charge a little, Bill, because honestly, I agree. I, that viewpoint you presented was one that I believe in 100% until they lost to the Chiefs a few weeks ago. I saw them blow that game and just give it away, and I'm like, they can't do anything about not not say they can't in the future. They just won't be able to this year. They just can't. They're too young still. It's a rookie head coach. Um, they'll be really good, I think, in the next two, three years. They'll be a very, very good team. But this playoff season, no. In the AFC, the one team that would sneak up on and scare me as a wildcard team is the Colts. Because the one thing you can do to, to take down or limit an excellent elite quarterback is have a run game and keep him on the bench. And that's what the Colts have. I don't think – we touched on this maybe before we start recording, but – I don't think Jonathan Taylor will win MVP because he's a running back, but he's dang sure important to the Colts' playoff chances. And when he's there and Carson Wentz under center, because Carson Wentz is not making that many mistakes, that's a team that plays excellent defense, has an excellent offensive line, runs the ball, and passes efficiently. That is a recipe for 35 to 40 minutes of possession per game. And if you're Pat Mahomes and this offense is still struggling this year, the Chiefs, for the most part, I don't see how the Chiefs can score four or five touchdowns like they're accustomed to against this cold squad if they're run, running into, into them in the playoffs. I think the Chiefs, there's one team they don't want to see in the playoffs, and it's probably the Colts. Well, I like that take, actually, Chris, because I was going to say I agree with you. The, the Colts look like a team that are that are putting it together at the right time of the year. And watching them on the weekend, I've never been a Carson Wentz fan, and I've been highly critical of him multiple times throughout his career. But – when he is, and I think Frank Reich has has find has tuned this team just right because with Carson Wentz paired with a very strong running game, and when he plays within himself and he's not asked to do too much, you can't ask him to throw fifty passes. I think that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. But Carson Wentz is capable of elite throws, and that touchdown he threw, that last touchdown pass that he made, was elite. There is not too many guys in the league that can make that throw, scrambling out of the pocket to his left and then throwing back to his right and hitting a guy streaking in the back of the end zone. That was a perfect throw. It's things like that that make me think the the Colts are a dangerous team headed into the playoffs. And I will say the, the, the other thing to, to note about this game is they were without their, I want to say they're one of probably three of their top most talented players. So... Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, if they can get Jonathan Taylor, if he can keep keep rolling, the Colts are a dangerous team. I think they're one of those bu- we'll call. I don't know whether you call them a bubble team. Like it looks like they're going to get into the playoffs. They're not really on the, the the fine edge, but yeah, that's one of those wild card teams that that should scare people. Well, and and so here here's the bit of the edge that they find themselves on. They are one game up on the Chargers and the Raiders. They play the Raiders 
next right. week. And Carson so they wins. Need that game. And Carson wins just got tested positive for COVID. He's unvaccinated. Right. So he is not playing against the Raiders. Ooh. That is a rough situation that the Colts find themselves in because yeah. they might be going into the final week of the season being even on record. Well, and having lost that time. Having lost. Yeah. Now, having said that, they played the Jags in yeah. the final week of the season. Yeah. So uh, that's definitely. Who do the Raiders easy. play in the final week of the season? Uh, I believe the Chargers. Oh, boy. That, yeah. that could be quite the game. That's so, a big game to try to side that AFC West. Yeah. Mm. So, some interesting quirks, but, you know, I, I saw it again in, in print uh, this week. The, the quote was talking about. I mean, Cole Beasley testing positive for COVID, but the idea that your your best ability is your availability. Yep. Yep. And coming down the wire, these last few games, trying to nail down a playoff spot. If you're not on the field, it doesn't matter why. That that's the thing. It doesn't really matter why. It's just if you're not on the field, your team has a significant disadvantage, particularly at the quarterback position. Yeah. Uh, you know, that that's a rough pill to swallow from a franchise standpoint to say we're in excellent position to get a playoff spot and you're not on the field and now we're yeah. at risk. Yeah. Well, to that totally. point, Willie, as far as availability goes, how about this one? I was just re- looking at the playoff standings again now, and one team, it's not they're under the bubble, but they're flying under the radar for sure that I think maybe is posed the biggest threat probably in the AFC to the Chiefs at number one. Tennessee Titans, they're number two in the division now, or yeah, in the conference rather. So it's like, mm-hmm. that's a team that for a while was kind of like, they lost a lot of the heat and momentum in the, in the AFC uh, amongst kind of like the Bills when they were on their, like when they were kind of hot and cold, when the Pats were on their streak and obviously Chiefs have kind of overtaken, but like the Titans have reestablished themselves as the number two seed and it's really theirs to lose. And crucially, they're getting healthy at the right time. AJ or AJ Brown is coming back. This, this is his first game back. He made a big impact against the Niners. Sorry, sorry, Nikki. <laughs> but that, but more importantly, this week against the uh, this this next coming game is you potentially return to Derrick Henry. So Derrick Henry getting healthy at the right time. And I said this when he got injured. This might actually help the Titans because now you have yeah. a fresh Derrick Henry entering the playoffs. Granted, his level will be low. But yeah, you got a two-game warm-up with Derrick Henry. He's more or less if Derrick Henry at ninety percent or even eighty-five percent at this time of the season is still better than most of the guys who played a full year or 65-70 percent. But it's good. You got some of the other running backs some reps, and they've yeah. produced. Deontay Foreman has looked pretty good. Like he's but not. He's saying you no can Derrick Henry, load, but but Derrick like, Henry, you can really make him be your third, fourth quarter hammer. And then really keep kind of keep him fresh for that. So it's like that's you might be able to, yeah, put him on a pitch count a little bit and still yeah. be able to produce. So yeah, that's the Titans are an interesting one. And then if we want to switch gears a little bit and look at the NFC, um, crazy that Arizona went on this insane run to start the season and have lost three straight. I want to say, Somewhere and are now not in the division lead. And the Rams, who looked a little bit. Um, shaky there in the middle part of the season have taken over the division lead in the NFC West and look like they're going to finish well this next it looks like they're going to finish strong they got Baltimore next week while Arizona has Dallas and um, and then you got the 49ers and Philly in the 6th and 7th spot right now with Minnesota looking in but I don't think I think Minnesota's in a tough spot they're playing Green Bay next week 
where uh, where Philly's got Washington and the Niners have have the Texans. So um, there's some intrigue here. The Niners, it looks like I I don't know what Jimmy's availability, Jimmy Garoppolo's availability is going to be like because uh, the news hit I believe yesterday that he chipped a bone and tore a ligament in his throwing hand thumb. Uh, the report so far is that he is going to try and gut it out and play on the weekend, but call me a skeptic. I don't know how that works on your throwing hand. Mm. If your thumb is torn up, how much are you going to be able to throw the ball accurately? And Jimmy's accuracy on the best of days is uh, a little bit shaky. <laughs> so Trey Lance time. Trey Lance time. It might be Trey Lance time. I, if, if I had, if I was a betting man, which I am occasionally, I'd say uh, I'd put a couple of a couple of doubloons on uh, Trey Lance starting this week. I mean, he, to your point, Nikki, like the the good thing with Trey Lance starting is honestly, this might be the easiest transition for the Niners as far as quarterback handoffs go, because now you get to kind of throw Trey Lance in there, get him some reps, while expectations are low because he's only making it. This would be his what? third or fourth second, start in the NFL? Second, second start. Second start, right? So now I think that the Niners are firmly in control, in my opinion, of that sixth kind of playoff spot. I don't see the Vikings or Falcons or any teams below them gaining enough ground to knock the the Niners out. I think the Niners still maybe win at least one of their if – even if they win one of their last games, they, win, they, they, they cement that spot. So as far as getting Trey Lance in the game with reps with low expectations but in a playoff environment could only help his development. I really think that's a great kind of it's a I good so. for him, and, and again, like, so. yeah. So hopefully, for your sake, Nikki, you're you're finding that uh, you're you know you're unearthing another little gold nugget there. In San Francisco, <laughs> but, uh, we'll see how it goes. I think Nick's just crossing his fingers that that he goes on a a nice like Colin Kaepernick streak. That's what to start I was going to say. Yeah, <laughs> career. A little Kaepernick run in the playoffs, and uh, Jimmy's out the door. I, I fingers crossed. I mean, God knows we gave up enough. Uh, in the way of draft picks to get Trey Lance. So um, I'm all for him achieving his potential. I've been a skeptic all year, and I have been banging the drum of do not start him. He's not ready. As much as Garoppolo is frustrating and makes mistakes, and there's issues with the way he plays, I I was firmly in the camp of keep Garoppolo in there, let him play out the season. Lance is not ready. Yeah. He is still a small school draft pick who didn't play football last year and needs to acclimate to the NFL. Now he's being forced into action. So let's go with it. Hopefully Shanahan puts together a nice little game plan that, that plays to his strengths. And so the question is now I am obviously this, I don't think this is a surprise to anyone. The team that should scare people is the, the San Francisco 49ers, the, <laughs> the, um, <laughs> the wild card team in the NFC. Is there any disagreement from you folks on? Is there any other teams we Zero. should be watching? Like, does does Philly scare anyone? No, none of the NFC after. <laughs> honestly, nobody after the Niners get inspires any confidence. In me, I'm looking at the Vikings. They're a wet blanket. The Falcons. I don't know what the hell they do. Right. What, what do they seriously? What do the Falcons do well besides having one of the best tight ends in the league already in, in Kyle Pitts? But nobody's hearing anything about Kyle Pitts all season because he's been languishing in Atlanta, and somehow they're middling franchise that gets zero attention anyway. So they inspire zero confidence in me. Washington is Washington. They just got undressed <laughs> by the Cowboys. We all saw the highlights. We know what that was like. And the Saints, they're running Ian Book. So it's not like 
they have many options at quarterback, and we saw how that turned out. And Ian Book made Tua look like <laughs> look like a proper kind the of. Saints all-pro. don't have a quarterback, honestly. That's, right that's the thing. So, like after the Niners, like nobody at all. Like if this was if this was like the old six team per conference format, like there wouldn't even be a question. It's just the fact that like yeah. the Eagles are marginally less crappy than every other team after the Niners. Who, yeah, who I else mean, I heard? Think they've been who else heard that uh, they they actually reached out to uh, Drew Brees in yeah. the broadcast booth and asked if he would yeah. be willing to come back? Yeah, and he I said no. Yeah. <laughs> just the memes, the memes of him just like no, <laughs> just him golfing. Yeah. Oh, what a, yeah. what a lucky move! Right. But that's the thing. Even Drew knows like the team itself isn't built to win like it was when he was here, even last year, the year before. So what's the point in leaving your plum? I think he's just done. I just think he's done. I don't think that, honestly, I think the Saints are actually a good team. I think he could come back and they could be a dangerous team in the playoffs. I just think he's done. He was done last year. It was hard to watch last year. And even, yeah. yeah, I feel like the conversation might have also kind of gone like, hey, hey, Drew, do you want to come back and play a few games? And you're like, well, uh, can can Michael Thomas come back? Yeah. Oh, oh no. Why haven't okay. they called Phil Rivers? He he hasn't hung it they up. Have, yet. They he have. Said, did they? I think they called Phil Rivers. I heard that and they he said contacted no. him. Uh yeah. I think Phil yeah, I think Phil well even oh, Phil said Phil. that he's a little uh, out of playing shape right now. He said he already put put on uh, like twenty pounds. He's he's sliding into the high school coach in high school. Bod. Yeah. He's yeah, he's got the high school coach bod down. So I was really I love that part though. Of Phil Phil Rivers citing coming back that would have been really no nah, Phil Rivers couldn't throw 45 yards last season like their playoff loss was like he tried Hail Marying it he was like 10 yards short of the goal he line. was still pretty good Chris he was I, yeah, but like he, he I think, I think that that uh, I mean, record yes but I also think as bad as Big Ben is he still can throw further right now than Phil Rivers can because I've seen Big oh Ben oh my this gosh throw, give me a break I've, I've Chris, seen Big Ben throw 55 yard passes this season I, I haven't seen Phil Rivers do that last year. I'm just saying. I'm not saying better or I'm just saying he has more arm left right now. I don't oh, think Phil Rivers come no, back. No, no. <laughs> you, you bite your tongue. <laughs> Phil, Phil Rivers is a saint. <laughs> I love Phil Rivers. I say daggum all the time. Thanks to him. Literally. My girlfriend makes a place for it. Yeah. I asked for a bolo tie for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and who you know who else we saw on the weekend? A little, a little, little Nick Foles sighting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Was, what Chicago. Name? yeah. Golly, yeah. is it time to blow it up in Seattle or what? Because the Nick, okay, they they let Jimmy Graham and Nick Foles beat them as if it was 2017 or something all up in this bitch again. So like, <laughs> is it serious? Seriously, like, is it who goes? Do we get rid of Russell or do we get rid of Pete? Because one of them must go. Well, I think Nagy might have saved his job. I think Nagy. Uh, <laughs> He's got to go for Justin Fields' sake, for the sake of Chicago. He's got to go. Oh come on, Nagy's not so bad. He's terrific. And you said that with a straight face. Ryan Pace, I said this from the beginning, deserves much more blame in Chicago because he, even before Nagy, he was fucking things up. So it's all—he's the one who drafted Trubisky. It's all on Pace. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. And said, I, no, I mean, all jokes aside, though, like I don't think Nagy has been as bad as perhaps the the coverage or like the the overall opinion would have no, you believe. Chicago's aggressive. Chicago hates every one of their like they're they are have super, super high standards for no reason. 
considering they're a, they're a very bad franchise outside of one year in the 80s. You know why Nagy needs to get fired? He's the Jason Garrett of the Midwest. That's why he needs to get fired. <laughs> That's exactly why he needs to get fired. Yeah, well, who, else, who was it? Like, who was it that was saying, like, a first-year head coach and they're, like, on the hot seat and they, they better start performing, otherwise they're out? And I was Robert like, Sala, probably? It gosh. probably might have been me. It might have been. Was it Robert Sala? Might have been me because it's like because I'm looking at the Jets and I'm like, like the Jets. Come on, man! Up. Like this is why you're terrible year in and year out. Like teams that are terrible year in and year out, it's because they're impatient and they have unrealistic expectations for their yeah. first year quarterbacks and first year head coaches. And anyways, all right. Well, that's it. I don't I don't have anything else here. Any final thoughts, fellas? Or uh, are we ready to sign off? No, I'm just ready to, you know, catch these last few weeks of the season. I can't wait to see kind of who gets uh, left out in the cold in the AFC in the playoff race. It's been, it's going to be a fascinating kind of uh, race as it, as it winds down. Well, every every week now we've got some really like interesting games popping up and some like low key interesting games that you that maybe didn't seem that way earlier in the season. But like this week coming up, we got Bengals KC. I mean, I'm excited. I want to see Burrow Mahomes. Yes, that's going like, to be a great game. This is, this is like the future, the future of the NFL and like the, the future rivalries of two great quarterbacks, two great young quarterbacks. Because, I mean, wow, Burrow on the weekend. Just a side mm-hmm. note, that was something yeah. else. And then he comes off the field and it's like, oh, yeah, you know, I expect to do that every week. So, you Can know, we just I've done that a bunch of times. Good. Like... <laughs> Can we just acknowledge that we're blessed to have, like, to your point, Nikki, like, we got now Burrow, Mahomes, Jack, or Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert. We got five quarterbacks, at least. I'm, I'm probably leaving someone out. Deshaun Watson, if and when he ever comes back, if he stays in the AFC. Yeah. But of the players on t- the starting in the AFC, these Too are well. guys. <laughs> but we're blessed to your point Nikki, to see these guys like in the afc have like rivalries develop and yeah, like yeah. i don't see that in the nfc right now it's the old guard still tommy kind of switched divisions at the right time maybe yeah. but in the afc i think like you said like we're, we're really seeing previews of kind of like future versions of peyton brady right yeah peyton. the next gen of but even more of great quarterbacks and quarterback rivalries yeah exactly, exactly. and they all have and they're all gonna be arms races too because uh, cincinnati's acquiring quite an arsenal for joey to throw to yeah uh, i feel like los angeles is gonna double down on that in the offseason hopefully uh baltimore gets lamar someone to throw to outside of mark andrews who doesn't have stone hands hollywood <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> he's got it's gonna be a real fun uh conference the next decade we're in, we're in good hands in the afc yes sir yes sir Okay. Awesome guys. That was great. Thanks for uh thanks for jumping on and chopping it up. And we will uh happy watching this week and uh get ready because uh we're gonna do it again next week and it's gonna be fast and furious heading into the playoffs. Let's do it. Sounds okay. good. Take care boys. Take care.